0: This is the Read It Right show where we get up close and personal with creators. Today, we have a very young and talented content creator with us. She has a sizable following on YouTube, of course, on Instagram as well. And she makes videos on beauty, makeup, lifestyle. The most important thing is this is not her day job, this is not her main gig. She's also an occupational therapist by profession. The name of the creator is Sarah Saroj. So, welcome to the show, Sarah. It's really Hi. great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So,
0: congratulations on three things. First, today is your fourth anniversary of starting your YouTube journey. Second, yes. you yes. recently bought a new house at the age of uh, what, twenty twenty two. Third thing is on completing your degree. I think now you are what, Doctor Sara Sarosh? Thank you so much for
1: everything. <laughs> you just painted a very pretty picture. It is not that pretty in real life.
0: You are so young and you've already achieved so many things. So. Uh, let's start from the very beginning you know what age did you start your youtube channel at and you know how did you plan to do it
1: started in 2017 that is today of 2017 26 june uh, i was 18 uh, it was very random because I did not know the full potential of what being a YouTuber like encompasses. I did not even know uh, what I was getting myself into. All the work-wise, I just played along the field, you know, as it came. Because I loved makeup, and that was my only intention behind creating videos. That okay, I have so much makeup. Like I'll create something out of the makeup that I have, and something that will be relatable was my main uh, niche always, even today. Like I stick to being relatable to my audience. I don't want to paint a picture that is not real. So it just went along the way. Um, I learned as I grew up, both as a person and as a YouTuber.
0: And at what point did you get the kind of critical mass in terms of followers?
1: Um, so for me, I genuinely did not know how to work in this field. I just knew content is created. I did not know how to generate revenue or money out of it and i did not even care enough to look into it or talk to people about it i just went along the flow till i won youtube next up which is a competition which is held by youtube itself it's probably the only competition which is held by youtube and um, i won that out of i don't know how it happened for me it was basically a google form that was circulated and i filled it out i thought um, you know it's just a review thing that youtube does from time to time But then only to realize that they were shortlisting me and shortlisting me to make me one of the 12 winners and it was a beauty next up. So it was specifically for beauty creators and once I was a part of that, my entire life genuinely changed just about last year, this happened in 2020. So um, everything changed from there on. I met so many amazing creators. I learned the whole potential of what it was like to be a YouTuber. I learned how to film more professionally. uh, Learned how to talk to brands, how to deal with brand deals. Just everything got more systematic, organized in my head as well, and gave me more direction when it comes to YouTube.
0: So at present, what is your content strategy like? How do you strategize? Let's say one month's content. You plan ahead or do you do it on the fly random how do you do it
1: okay so I'm not uh, on the go person when it comes to my content I like to be very organized and planned I know for sure what I'm putting out in the next month so my strategy basically revolves around seeing what my last month was like so I will just look back at one month's um, content and look at what my audience enjoyed the previous month then look into the next month and try to do something on those lines as well as try a new um, style as well so i'll try to improvise on my previous well doing videos and do like a better off spin off of that you know like i did a mystery box challenge with one of the youtubers and it did really well so i thought you know what i could get my community involved in this and that's when i started the subscriber mystery box in india so i've done i've seen this happen abroad i didn't see it in india so then i did that and then i that video did well as well so then i have been spinning off videos that do well while also trying new styles. That's kind of my content strategy at the moment. And I will continue to, you know, experiment because it's like I'm young and I want to keep exploring my options. I don't want to stick to something.
0: Now, when I first, you know, corresponded with you via email, I realized that the person who was replying on your behalf was uh, your brand manager because she had that in the email signature. Now, uh, that itself says that you obviously treat your YouTube, your content not just as a content creation platform but you are treating sara sarosh as a brand now that is a very uh, fresh and welcome line of thinking so what are your thoughts on that do you are you building yourself up as a brand and you know can that lead to more exciting things in the future
1: um so i believe anybody on the internet becomes a personal brand anything that we say we are responsible for um, we are held against and um, you know you can't be very sly with your words you have to measure your um speech even when you speak on the internet so just everything that i put out be it content be it even an instagram story i'm very thoughtful that it doesn't ha- harm anyone harm anybody's sentiments or be rude in any way in the same way, I'm very professional about my workspace as well. Getting a brand manager does not only mean that I'm working towards my personal brand, it's just a very clear line of communication when it comes to brand deals. So when I'm speaking to brands one-on-one, they might not take me as seriously as they would if I have somebody in between to intervene because in that case, I don't end up speaking to the brands as- at all, uh, she's the person in communication. So just the flow of conversation the flow of work happens much more smoothly and people take you much more seriously in the industry when you have somebody to intervene oh. working on my personal brand is something that i've always done it's it's beyond and above content creation it's just that i didn't even want to name my channel like my banner used to initially say a oh girl just like you that was only a relatability factor that i had but i always kept my channel name sarah sarosh because i wanted the possibilities to be endless because if i name it beauty with Sara, it would not be uh, not allow me to you know experiment with my niche i can do whatever i want with my name under it so yeah that is basically the intention behind taking it very professionally
0: uh, now one common thing that happens with youtube content creators is you know any content no matter how good it is after a point of time let's say five years ten years there's a point of stagnancy because you know newer audiences are coming up maybe they are getting out of touch or anything so whenever content creators plan long term they also plan like a business uh, that they can branch out to from their audience uh, taking the critical mass whether it is you know coming up with your own product line or your own uh, branded sh- you know shoes or something like that okay. what are your thoughts on that and would we see you branching out into similar you know business territories
1: okay so um, that is of course a great way to survive because um Like you said, the newer talent is always up and coming and I feel like if you want to stride in content creation itself, you have to keep changing with the algorithms, with the trends and be very open to adaptation, which I, I right now am because like I said, I'm still very fresh and new. So maybe that is the reason I'm ready to adapt to every new thing that comes up plus every response I receive from my community. When it comes to brands um, it's a great way to explore your audience your community i do want to one day you know visualize that i have a company that i run because i feel like i come from a family of business women and women and i've seen uh like business is what runs in my household and in my family so i've yeah. seen that very up and close i'm the first person who's a doctor in my house so like you know we've always only done business i think somewhere down the line it, it was just generically meant to happen that i had to take this route as well one way or another mm-hmm. so but i don't want to do anything just for the heck of you know surviving like because that is not like you said this is not my bread and butter even though today i'm very grateful that it gives me enough to survive and I can make it my bread and butter I still have my degree to fall back on and I still am going to continue to be an occupational therapist so I don't necessarily need a business to survive so I will only do one when I am very sure of what I want to do very sure of the time I have to dedicate to it because the product has to if it has my name on it it better be freaking good like I am very uh, critical on my channel you know when I do reviews yeah. I am very critical so uh, that's that's the kind of criticism I am going to put myself through when I start a brand.
0: The next question is, you're fairly young and you already have two careers. So does it ever happen that the YouTube part of your professional growth tends to overwhelm the other things? Do you find yourself thinking about YouTube more often than you should?
1: YouTube is very consuming because it is like a constant flow of thought. You're always thinking, what can I do better? What can I do? You know, what video next? So definitely my mind is very occupied with content and i definitely realized that over time this used to majorly happen during my exams when i was studying because I could not concentrate for a very long time on my studies and I would instantly think okay I have to put up a video or you know I'm not I'm missing uploads and what am I gonna do to you know make my comeback better because every time I had an exam I would take like a 15 day gap so the comeback video always had to be good enough to get the audience back again interested in me because out of sight out of mind so you know there's a no. Lo- of course YouTube is very consuming it did interfere with my studies but I made sure it doesn't interfere with my knowledge that i am still like if i'm studying 30 minutes i have to study for the third like if i realized after a point that yes my attention span is limited i can only concentrate for 30 minutes and then i do deter into youtube so i'll take like a 30 minute but intensive 30 minute study and then i would just take like a 40 minute break and think about youtube and chill and stuff so you know my my balance definitely was leaning towards youtube but that did not um like my marks were always good my marks were good my academics did not suffer towards my internship i the being a youtuber was more overwhelming like i was not that like i didn't really care about my uh name or my channel or anything but i think the people around me started taking much notice in my internship because that is when my channel was really growing and we went from fifty thousand to 100k really quickly on my channel so that is when you know that sudden i don't know what you say fame or whatever it is came into picture and my um, teaching staff or be it my colleagues or whatever had that thing that okay you have a backup okay you have a backup so it was yeah. something that you know they always made sure to remind me that i wasn't allowed to whine about not being able to do my masters or not being able to go abroad or whatever it is because i have a backup yeah,
0: you know it's not, not very common in indian families that you know children tend to have a separate yeah. You know pot if they're living in the same
1: city my idea behind this space basically was to be able to create content better because creating content in an indian household is difficult okay we have limited spaces we have a lot of people they are always talking you can't restrict people from talking and living their life whereas for content creation you need a calm quiet space you just need silence and it's very difficult to have so that was my major pitch to my parents that i need this space whereas coming to spending money as a young teen or no i'm not in my teens anymore i'm a tween i'm in my 20s so i would have loved to spend my money on traveling the world i would have loved it if covid wouldn't have happened and that is exactly what i would have been doing had COVID not taken over our lives, I wouldn't have put my money into like, you know, getting a studio. I would have definitely traveled first, gained life experience, enjoyed my time because in medical college, I could never travel. Like I never had, I don't know what it's like to have a holiday. I've never had a holiday because we used to get 30 days off to study for our exam. So I've never taken a leave. So I wanted to travel the world. It just did not happen. And then I was like, instead of just keeping the money in my bank account, I might as well invest and, you know, um, get this space. Definitely it's a massive investment I've made with this space. And it's a lot of um, like challenges here and there, but it just reminds me that I'm doing it for a purpose. It's going to help me create better. Just now, even for this interview, I can calmly sit in a room and talk to you without having to worry about you know, the bharatan ka and the jhadu ka <laughs> So just that is the main uh, reason behind it.
0: Let's talk about your Instagram stories, your reels. Now, what I've noticed is I don't really follow the uh, beauty lifestyle genre of content creators much, but my wife does it and I often get, you know, inputs from her. But you are one of those uh, in that genre of content creation who are not very afraid to, you know, show their skin without makeup, without, you know, Uh, The multiple Instagram filters you are okay if there's a zit here a pimple there. So that is good That is great but being so vulnerable in front of the camera and uh, of course a lot of thousands of people Does it sometimes scare you does it also scare you that if I am being so open that I may you know, lose out on some potential whatever brand collaborations or something because people in this line of work are very conscious about how they look. So how do you view that?
1: I am not scared to show my real anything on camera because uh, I think that's what I would like to see. I would like to see more of real skin and real body and I'm done seeing um, the perfect everything, the perfect figure, the perfect skin and the perfect because that's not what I have or have ever had. Because when I came on YouTube initially itself, I had this a cystic acne issue I had a lot of acne and I was that was pointed out to me every single day by my family my friends my uh, colleagues at work my teachers as well would point out and be like you know do something about this and that was so embarrassing because I was anyways dealing with it I did go to doctors and spend money on my skin but that didn't give me instant results and you for one being a medical professional should know that but that yeah. that human. Uh, nature is just ingrained to look at perfect everything so the degree doesn't matter, the medical professional didn't matter in them so I think I just wanted to portray that on my socials the more my socials grew I was like this is my responsibility to make younger audience comfortable because I didn't feel comfortable back when I was younger, right? Nobody was there to remind me that this is normal and it's completely fine. And it's gonna happen to a lot of women and young teenage. And today now I'm 20 plus, my skin has cleared out. You know, it doesn't give me. It's not a problem anymore. Yeah. So that is something that. Everyone told me that when you grow up it will clear out but there was no visual example for me to look at. So just I want to be the visual example for younger audience that you know what life will get better, this will, this is normal and this is completely fine and it will only get better. When it comes to brand deals, I think I work with the brands that enjoy working with me. I'm very particular about the brands I attach myself to because once I've worked with a brand that name is attached to me and I don't ever want to be questioned about my uh, integrity So, I don't work with brands who want filters on their photos, who don't want to promote natural or normal or who are only using plus size women or women with acne for particular campaigns. You know, they'll particularly contact you because you have acne because they have an acne proof serum. So, if you're doing that, I'm not interested in working with you. But if you're open to everything and you're not using me as a marketing strategy, but just using my voice, then then i would like to work with you you want to work with me because of the right reasons so that is the reason why my brand manager is very helpful because we do a thorough screening of brands before we uh, take on a collaboration
0: that that's really an admirable uh, stand to take and i really appreciate you for that because you cannot even begin to imagine the kind of impact you have on a 16 year old a 14 year old girl who is looking up to you and looking up to your content that's really very good and I think uh, we should always promote such kind of you know, content creators. Now, when it comes to brand collaborations, is there a particular experience that left you with a bad taste in the mouth?
1: I've spoken about good and bad collaborations on my channel very openly. I want my audience to know what I'm going through behind the scenes always. And uh, one particularly bad, like not bad, yeah, bad collaboration I spoke about was with Naika, which was a very big uh, deal for me because I was a very small creator when Naika approached me fairly, like I had 20,000 subscribers. So that was also small in the beauty space because the beauty space is quite saturated at the point. And them reaching out to me was a very big break for me. I was considering it like you know my breakthrough moment where all brands would recognize me and blah blah blah. They didn't pay me for two videos. They were very back and forth with their work. I think their style of working was very toxic, uh, and um, it was something that was a phase where you know uh, a lot of their behind the scenes about their team was coming out and we came to know quite a lot of toxicity during that time and that is when I created a complete video dedicating my work experience with naika unfiltered so that was literally the title of the video wherein i spoke about everything how it was a barter collaboration very well intended and it was my fault as well that i accepted a barter collaboration in the first place which i do not uh, encourage any creator to do because it's just a waste of your effort time for nothing but just the way they were dealing with everything like they were commanding me every changes like every day i had shot each video two times for them to get it up to their standard it was done in the pandemic so it was done from my home i had to edit it i got i did everything and i wasn't paid for it right and i wasn't even given makeup for it i had to use my own makeup to create the content and Nike is a big company so just coming from them it was heartbreaking my intention behind making that video or even today talking about them is not to cancel the brand I never have. I've definitely limited my shopping from them because initially I used to mass promote them without being paid. I used to only yeah. speak about, no, no, Because it was easy, it was accessible and it was like, just everything in one place and that's the reason I always shop from them. It's like that one Kiranewala you go to and you go to that Kiranewala again and again. It was that with me, Naika was that Kiranawala for me. But then later I just opened my eyes to more stores, started shopping from more options. I think today as a consumer, I'm very conscious about giving good enough business to everyone. If I can get the same thing on some other website, I'll pick it up from another website. I'll pick up something from Naika as well, but it will not be the same thing which is available somewhere else. So I'm more conscious. I make sure I'm passing that on to my audience as well. Definitely Nykaa's team has changed ever since because they did recently reach out to me and um, asked that they want to send over PR and stuff. And I've realized that their marketing team has completely rebranded and changed. and it's great that yeah. they did that because uh, and it's much better because one of my friends recently worked with them and she told me the marketing team is much better to work with so it's great that they t- did that because I feel like their team mm. before wasn't just wasn't good enough and it was very toxic yeah. to work with them and I wasn't very quiet about it as well so I was surprised when I received a mail from them recently but uh, yeah in due course of time
0: you as a daughter of uh, christian and muslim parents obviously there's a lot of growing you know majoritarianism in the country in the you know last you know five to seven years that everybody's witnessed they've written about it uh, has it ever affected you personally and you know do you sometimes worry about you know what's happening
1: in our country that is definitely lacking right because the first question anybody comes up to me and says is what is your religion like they are very blatant about it and it's It's like that question you don't ask, you know, it's just that question which is very sensitive. Um, I would love to answer it in the interview, but it's just something as I receive a comment, I've not had an answer to this question for the majority of my growing up years. Today I can tell you I don't even identify as a religion. You know how people don't identify as a gender. I don't identify as a religion. I don't call myself a Catholic or a Muslim or a Christian or anything call myself a human but I believe in both faiths, I believe in Islam as well as Christianity and I follow them very ardently but I know a lot of my audience doesn't understand that like the newer audience, every time there is a new person who comes to my vlog or will watch me and will see that there is a cross in my house and I am saying like Inshallah they will be like are you a Muslim? I didn't know you were a Muslim so it's a question that as a teen it bothered me as a child it bothered me but today i'm very confident that this is me i am allowed to be unique i'm allowed to be uh, having my own faith i don't have to follow a certain faith as a country we are very backwards when it comes to accepting different cultures even inter marriage even today is such a big problem in our country and I do not understand the reason for it it's two different people coming from two different backgrounds they can decide what they want to do they can decide what they want their children to do they can decide for themselves just even my parents decided for us like they just let us be you know uh, eventually we grew up and we became our own people and could make our own decisions they didn't have to make decisions for us anymore so just that thinking is super lacking in our country and it, as a country we're not secular anymore we don't even it's becoming very um, one-sided. I don't have to mention it, but it is not, that secularism is gone. And uh, that is why the acceptance of multiculture, even though India is supposed to be a country where all cultures are supposed to thrive and be happy and live peacefully, that kind of peace is only getting disrupted when you ask that question straight up in front, what is your religion? Like you will only like yeah. me if I'm a Muslim or you'll only like me if I'm a Catholic and you'll not like me otherwise. So. Oh
0: my God, really? i I didn't know that people still ask you on your youtube oh they do
1: they do they do like and i know where it's coming from and sometimes it's just this innocence that people want to know that inquisitiveness but sometimes it's that that tone you know people have that tone like oh how did you do this or you know or you say this but you're like you know you get a tattoo but you say you're muslim those tones that people have they are specifically made to hurt you they are yes. specifically
0: targeting to hurt you. So the next question, again, from the personal sphere of your life, is that you are so busy, you have a full-time profession, you are a content creator. So does uh, you know Sarah Sarosh have time for dating? Number one. Number two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two. Do you often feel that uh, you know in our society, Indian men sort of, I mean, not blaming Indian men in particular, but men in particular, can tend to get intimidated by the their partner's successes. So, does it ever worry you?
1: Um, worry as in, I do feel like this is a thing that intimate they do get intimidated. Like, I'm also a very tall personality, so that's something that's always intimidated yeah, yeah. people that I'm very tall, in like men, especially. Yeah. Right? Uh, success, on the other hand, could also intimidate them, and uh, that is the reason why I am single very much. But I think that one day there will be somebody who will um, accept the way I am the way I like to work because I can't change who I am for someone Right, that is just not possible I can't change working and I can't become a little unsuccessful because I need my other partner to have a little ego boost right so it's just that uh, someday I hope I do find someone who is compatible I do have time for dating I'm not that busy I do find that men are very intimate Indian men nahi? Men in general are very intimidated by successful <laughs> women or tall women or whatever that doesn't boost their ego. They want women to boost their ego and uh, that is not happening, like that is not me.
0: You know, given that the state of the country that we are in, currently a lot of people are considering you know, immigrating to other developed uh, you know, countries where opportunities are more easily accessible. Now studies have shown that India constitutes the second highest number of people who have left the country in the last few recent years. So does it at times that option or the chance of, you know, studying abroad, uh, pursuing a master's perhaps or just going with your current level of education and applying for immigration, you know, is that an option for you? Have you ever thought about it?
1: Definitely. I want to. uh, In fact, if I have the option, like right now, this would have been my uh, option. Like if the pandemic wouldn't have happened, I would have loan like this year itself for doing my masters didn't want to wait or didn't want to take a gap year at all but only because of the pandemic and things not being very steady abroad like we never know right when the second wave yeah. third wave over there might happen my uh, decision being going abroad is not just because i don't feel india isn't developed enough it's also just to explore a part of my life that i want to know what it's like to be a international student and work on different campuses and just you know that i i am a person who loves to travel so my job didn't allow me to do that so far. I wanted to, like, to be able to do it. So as a creator, I can travel. Hence, I want to take this year off to just explore myself as a person, as a creator, see where my options are. Someday in the future, I definitely want to pursue my master's. I don't want to hold back on my studies because I love studying. I love like knowing new things. I don't know yet what I want to do my master's in. I just don't want to do it for the heck of it, right? Because it's a lot of money. It's, of course, going to come back when I start working. but. It's a lot of investment, which I want to make smartly. I don't want to just put in money, I want to get out of the country. Even if I don't go and life turns around, I will be fine. But agar I chance a I want to. I want to.
0: And now we'll launch into a quick rapid fire. So you answer quick and you answer, you know, honestly.
1: <laughs> honest, honest.
0: Your favourite YouTuber?
1: Favourite YouTuber, Mridul
0: Sharma. Most overrated YouTuber?
1: a good joke,
0: unicorn. Do you think TikTok content creators migrating to YouTube deserve lakhs of audience because they're already coming up with a lot of audience with their 15-second content?
1: Deserve. Some of them do. Some of them uh, don't.
0: Fair enough. Uh, the latest crush that you have on YouTube?
1: On YouTube? Uh, Mumbai Kar Nikhil.
0: Your drink of preference, is it wine or is it whiskey? It's wine. If not fudge, what would you have kept your dog's name alternatively?
1: Uh, Nutella.
0: <laughs> okay, when do you plan to get married?
1: 28. Oh my god, I said that so fast.
0: <laughs> okay, favorite festival Eid or Christmas?
1: Eid.
0: Jyoti said he is better as a friend or as a YouTuber?
1: As a friend.
0: And the priority for you is a credit score or looks when it comes to choosing a man?
1: It's. Credit
0: score like personality also includes in that. Yeah, then that. Well done. <laughs> we are not in the same place, so I can't give you a hamper, but this deserved a hamper. <laughs>
1: I'll accept your virtual
0: hamper. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Sara, this is this has been fun. Sara, thank you so much for taking out the time for me and you know I wish you all the luck for your future content creation projects and also of course for your studies and your career. May your tribe continue to rise.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. This went so well. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.